Folks, it's about to get real. This word from our brother Randy Lightborn entitled, The Word of God is Still Powerful. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My message today, the topic, is a very pretty straightforward, well-known topic in a sense. It's called the Word of God is still powerful. The Word of God is still powerful. And my scripture text is going to be taken from St. Luke 16, and it's going to be from verse 19 to verse 31. I'm going to go straight into that first, and then I'll explain how God's leading me to bring forth this message. And it reads as follows. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and feared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sewers. And desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his source. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abram, Abraham, a, a far off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and like, likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is confident and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from that. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto him from the grave, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded, the one rose from the dead. May God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word. I have two points 
that I want to speak from. The first point is called Powerful Prophets Spoke the Word of God. Point one, Powerful Prophets Spoke the Word of God. Point number two, Jesus is the Word of God. And this is what God has laid on my heart. And the emphasis in this message today is sort of a continuation from last week's message. Because it's a message, again, that's highlighting the power that is at our disposal as children of God. Last week, we talked about whether the Holy Ghost matter. The end of, of that conclusion was that the Holy Ghost really does matter because there was a power that's given to us once we have this indwelling Holy Ghost in our lives. Today, I want to talk about the fact, the fact that God's word is still powerful and we need to operate in that understanding that the word of God is powerful. We don't have to be so powerful. We don't have to be highly educated with all types of stuff in, in front of our names or after our names. We need to have the Holy Spirit and operating with the word of God in our lives. And we, God's word is what's going to make the difference in our lives. When we look at the scripture text that was read earlier, this is a familiar scripture for us that have been saved for a while. It is a very important doctrinal scripture because it's the only scripture, really, that gives you any proper insight and understanding of afterlife before we stand before the throne of God. But after we live here, and this is not just Christians, this is Christians and unsaved people. This is the only scripture. This is the only truth we have. There are many people who say all types of stories concerning near-death experience or people who have died and been brought back to life by the doctors and they give you all types of accounts of what's going on. All that stuff has to line up with Luke 16. If not, I don't really listen to you. Because the only thing we have in terms of understanding this place, it's the, the, the terminology is how. But those of us who are who are more correct with scripture knows that when we die and when we're in the situation that Lazarus in this context was in and the rich man in, they are not in hell. They're in a holding place. And it's described as that Lazarus is in Abram's bosom. And the rich man is in another part that is separate, that is being tormented in. So I want to talk about how for a quick second before we go back into deeper into the scriptural text in the sense of bringing out the fact that the word of God is still powerful. I just want to highlight some stuff about how. C.S. Lewis makes this statement. The safest word to have is the gradual one. Um, the gentle sloop, the sore of underfooting, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Easy does it a little at a time. 
That's the safest world to have. Not the, the most violent one and riotous one, partying and do all types of stuff. That person that is morally correct, that, 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 that person that is doing everything that looks politically correct, socially accepted and stuff, but don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. It's the safest word. Still ending up at the same place. Many people ask this question, and especially in these times, and people go away, a lot of people go to college and stuff and, and hear all different types of stories concerning whether God is real or not. And even those who try to hang on, they ask the question, how could a loving God ever let a place like hell exist, much less send people to hell? That question is always an often asked. How could a loving God have a place like that existing and even send people to hell? Those people who ask that question reveal that they don't understand two major things. Those who ask that question, the first thing that they reveal is that they do not understand the love of God. And the second thing is they don't have a true understanding and appreciation for the wickedness of sin. Those are the issues that are really at Baker when we talk about this place called hell. This loving God that has a place set aside for those that will not accept his provision for us taking that. Nobody that's in hell will be in hell for their sins. They will be in hell for rejecting the provision God has made to deal with their sins. And anyone that's in hell, it's going to be their choice. God doesn't send them there. They send themselves there when they refuse to accept the escape plan that God has put in place. So when we speak about how today, in this scripture, I want to keep this in mind. We serve a God that has mercy, that is unobligated to anybody. Romans 9 and 15 says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. So the person that says is why God's doing this and why God's that, they don't understand this sovereign God. God is sovereign. His love is sovereign. He don't answer to us. Sin is a stench in his eyes. So he's provided us a way out from this. He's provided through Christ. The rich man we just talked about that finds himself in hell, in this place of torment, I want to highlight that you'll notice that when he's in this place, you don't hear him feeling sorry for himself. You don't hear him saying that he shouldn't be there. And this is another insight into helping you to understand that Jesus has put this place into being, that once you do get there, you have a clearer understanding of where you are and why you're there. It's important to understand that this is not a parable. This is a real guy named Lazarus. This is a real rich man. 
The rich man's not in hell because he's rich. And the poor man ain't in Abraham's bosom because he's poor. The poor man is in Abraham's bosom because his trust and his hope was in God. The rich man was in torment because of his rejection of God. It's ironic and it kills the, the whole concept of people saying rich people are never going to get into heaven. When we who know the scripture know that one of the richest men in his time period was Abraham. And ironically, the poor man is in Abraham's bosom. So you're not going to miss out on heaven because you're rich. You're going to miss out on heaven if you reject the provision that God has provided for you. This account that Jesus is given of this hell experience. This rich man knows where he's at. He knows he belongs there. He only cries to Abraham that Abraham, would you at least let Lazarus dip the tip of his finger? Come to me and dip the tip of his finger on my tongue to help take away some of this torment that I'm experiencing. It's very important that you understand that the rich man is where he's at because of his life, because of the choices in his life. Abraham goes on to give us more doctrinal understanding of this afterlife experience by telling him that, listen, you're where you have to be. Lazarus is where he has to be because of the lifestyles, because of the choice of depending on God. And then he goes on to give him some more infrastructure understanding that the, there is a gulf in between us. Scripture says that the rich man looked up and afar. So wherever this place is, however it's laid out, is in a dimension that we can comprehend in, in this life. But one of the things that you need to highlight in this is that though you are dead on this earth, anybody that has died on this earth is still well alive. When you look at the doctrinal understanding that's brought out in this taxer, they're both dead. The rich man knows he should be in that predicament. He's getting some understanding from Lazarus of how the predicaments are going to play out. You can't come to me and I can't come to you. There's a separation in place set up by God. But know that though they are dead to this life, they are very much alive. They are very much a clear conscience of what's going on. The rich man goes on to say, listen, since I can go back, can you send Lazarus back and let him want my, because I've got five brothers. Full conscience, full remembrance, full understanding, they are there, but they fully know who they are, where they are, and what they're like. They're only there to this dimension of life which we experience right now. That's what that does. It takes us from this and takes us to a different dimension that we don't know much about. But this fact shows us that we know where we are. We know what we're at. And he asks us, listen, son, can you send Lazarus back? Because I've got five brothers. And let him know what's done her. 
was waiting for them so that they would change their ways and not end up her. Abraham goes on to give us more insight, put insight, doctrinal principles to stand on. Abraham says they have Moses and the prophets. Moses and powerful prophets that can bring them the word of God. The rich man in his simplistic way of thinking and the way that most people think of, maybe if somebody comes from the dead and comes back and tells them what's really going on down her, oh, that I might be dead to this earth, but it's another life waiting for us after we leave this earth, that they may change their ways so that they don't end up in this house. The rich man is convinced that if somebody got a miraculous sign and understanding of what's this real afterlife about, that they would be so shook up by this, they would change their ways. I'm here today to tell you that signs and wonders make a lasting change in your life. There are many churches today operating on signs and wonders, doing stuff and appearing trying to give the appearance that they've got special powers. And there are people who are following this stuff. They are following the signs and the wonders. They're not following the word of God. They're not following our relationship with God. They're getting caught up with the so-called prophets and the people who supposed to be doing these signs and wonders. They're not getting caught up in the word of God. Abraham makes it clear, fully clear. Signs and wonders don't make lasting change Change in your life. You may think, rich man, that if Lazarus goes back and tells them what's really going on down here, how it's a real world, once we die on this earth, it's still a real world waiting for us. And you're going to go one of two places. Make a change in your life. Abraham says, no, no. Even if Lazarus went back, it wouldn't. Abraham goes on to say is that they have Moses and the prophets. And if they don't hear them, if they don't listen to them, if they don't take the word of God from them, even if Lazarus came from the dead, even if you, rich men, went from the dead and went back and told your brothers what's really going on down here, they're not going to change. Because the word of God is what makes the change in a person's life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Change is in the word of God. You can only be changed by the word of God. That's why my topic today is the word of God is still powerful. It's still powerful like it was way back then. Way back before people knew about Jesus, the word of God was powerful. We had powerful prophets. Elijah was able to shut heaven up for three years just by speaking the word of God. He was able to open it back up three years later by the word of God. Change in a person's life can only come in terms of lasting change through the word of God. That's why we have to daily take in the word of God in our lives. 
so that the word of God can change the scripture says, meditate on it. That's what's going to change you. The word of God is powerful. It's so powerful that Abraham um, tells the rich man that even if you come from there and tell them what you ran through, they still won't change. Real change can only come through the word of God. We have been given powerful prophets who have the word of God preaching to us. That's what they had. That's what Abraham told me. He said, listen, don't worry about signs and wonders. Don't worry about trying to convince them about what you experience. They have Moses and the mighty prophets. Okay? Those are the guys that's going to bring change. Okay? And they make that change by them speaking the word of God. These are the powerful prophets. They were powerful because they spoke what the word of God was. It's important that we understand so many people today are looking for signs and wonders. Signs and wonders is a way of keeping you from operating in faith. Signs and wonders have their place. They have their place. They were very much manifested at the beginning of the uh, um, church movement in their Pentecostal and, and forward, mostly to give a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, of the power of the Word of God. They ran together. They weren't just a sign and a wonder. They weren't just a miraculous thing just to do it. Peter says, listen, if I today be questioned about this poor uh, uh, lame man that was made whole, be it known unto you that is nothing I done, but that it's the same Jesus that you destroyed, that that among you killed, that raised again from the dead. He emphasized, he, as a powerful prophet, he showed them what the difference was. The sign and the wonder has to always point to Jesus. People want to do signs and wonders that make themselves appear to be something and appear to be deep and appear to be close to God and Take all types of titles as prophets and all this stuff. Is your work, is your profession of working for God really pointing to Christ? Powerful prophets spoke the word of God. The word of God is what made the prophets powerful. You could depend on when Elijah opened his mouth up and spoke, you knew it was going to be that way. When Jeremiah done it, when Ezekiel done it, when Isaiah done it, they were powerful because they spoke what God told them to say. God's word is still powerful like that today. God's word is what really changes us. It would seem logical based on the rich man's experience. Stay in turn her. He is a dead man. He's no longer on earth. But he has full conscious of who he is. Full conscious of what he's been through, what he's at. The only difference is that as a dead man on the earth, God has a system set up in place that dimensionally, once you die physically, you can no longer interact with this earth. There is no more interaction. You're held in a place. And based upon the decisions of your life, as it relates to the word of God, it's going to determine what department in that holding place. Scripture says in Revelation, there's death and how is then cast into the lake of fire. 
The rich man is not in the lake of fire. He's in a place of torment that's being held unto a judgment day. In the end, death and hell is going to be picked up and rest into this everlasting burning. But be assured you have full conscience, full understanding. These are the worst types of regret you could ever imagine in your life. The rich man sits in this place and for the rest of his life, he has to deal with the fact that his stuck here because of the decisions he made while he had the opportunity to change his life. So much so that he cares to reach out to save his brothers from coming to Spain. Abraham said the only way that he can escape this is by the word of God. Only the word of God is going to change a person. Not signs and wonders. Not you trying to pull them. Not you trying to push them. They have to hear the word of God. They have to believe the word of God and put it in their lives and let that change them. Lazarus depended on God. He ran to the rich man's house to get crumbs off his floor, but his dependence was on the word of God. And we, we need to understand that we can only be effective as children of God when we use the word of God and our witnessing and our reaching out to people. That's what's going to change them. Not signs and wonders, not doing all this dynamic spot, speaking in tongues, speak a word clear so that they hear the word of God coming out of your mouth. Let them see the word of God in your life in terms of how you live. That's what separates us and that's what enables us to be Holy Spirit in our lives. Always points us to the word of God. Always points us to, to Jesus. This, this actually brings me to my point number two. Point number two. Jesus is the word of God. Okay, Jesus is the word of God. I, I didn't even put it in, but we know that, that scripture, John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is the word of God. How does that make a difference? My topic is the word of God is still powerful. It still changes lives. Not signs and wonders. Not somebody being healed. Not some miracle. The word of God being spoken. The word of God being reached into your soul and revealing a truth of who God is. Let's look at these few scriptures that I want to read first and then I'll go over them just briefly. Just to highlight to you, Jesus is this word of God. First one is Hebrews 1, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, God who had sundry times and in divers mass spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, that he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand 
of the majesty on high. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Amen. The next scripture I, I want to look at is Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17. It says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, that there be thrones or the, the, the dominions or principalities or powers, all these were created by him and for him. Let's do this last part. And he is before all these things, and by him all these things consist. Massive statement there. And the last one is Revelation 19, verse 21. And the Romans were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the word of God. Can you put back the Hebrews 1 and verse 1 to 3? It's very important that we understand. Scripture tells you, and we spoke about it just now in my first point, that powerful prophets spoke the word of God. This scripture says that God in, in some times and in different types of manners, he spake in the times past by those powerful prophets. But now, verse 2 says, having his last days spoken unto us by his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the final word of God for us. It's the final message for mankind to be changed. That rich man that warns his five brothers to be saved, they can only be saved through the word of God, through what Jesus has for us. From, from Jesus' point to one, okay? God has spoken unto us through his son, Jesus, who he has appointed the hearer of all things. And then he reminds us that it was by him that all these worlds were made and that Jesus is the brightness of his glory. He's the express image of God. And then goes on to expand some stuff that, that a lot of people miss. It says that he, he is upholding all the things that are going on in this world by the power of his word. It reminds us that Jesus, after he had paid the price, provided the way for those five brothers not to end up in hell. He sat down at the right hand of God on majesty. This is the Jesus of the word of God. This is the Jesus that is the word of God. God used to, God up unto Christ can use different prophets, Elijah, Moses, and uh, even John the Baptist, all the way up to, to, to John the Baptist, Jesus said. But in these last times, the last message, the most clearest message is Jesus Christ himself. That's the message today. That's what's going to change people. You can struggle with whatever you want to struggle, whatever you are struggling with in your life. It's only Jesus as the word of God, as it's made known unto you by the prophets and the preachers and the teachers that's going to change your life. 
that's going to give you a saving understanding of this grace of God in our life. Jesus gently calls us every day. He finds a way to let us know that we need him. We need him. We need a word from you. We need to hear from you. We sung the song today. If we don't hear from you, Lord, what can we do? What shall we do? Jesus is this final word. Look at Acts 10 and verse 44. This is a mind-blowing example when we understand the Holy Ghost. We spoke on this last week about how the Holy Ghost was given to Cornelius and the maybe over a hundred or something people that Cornelius had bothered to hear this word. Those of us that know the scripture know that in the earlier verses, Cornelius gets explained that an angel goes to Cornelius while he is praying and fasting and seeking God. And the angel tells him, because you are seeking God with a real heart, because you're doing great arms and you want to know who I am, God has sent me, the angel, to let you know that you have to go and ask for this guy, Peter. The angel didn't bring the message. The angel didn't give him the word of God. The angel pointed him to the man of God who can give him the word of God. Only the word of God is going to change this dying world. It's going to help that drug addict get over drugs. That person that is struggling in whatever area that they're struggling in in their life, that person that is living a life of sin, whatever they are doing, that person who is morally looked at as living good, they can only find peace and salvation when they get the word of God. That word of God is only found in Jesus. What you see in chapter 10 of Acts is mind-blowing because Peter follows what God tells him to do. Peter goes to this house after being told by God in a dream to go to this house that this guy Cornelius was going to come for him. Barriers are being broken down. Stereotypes are being broken there because it wasn't normal for a Jewish man to ever go to a Roman centurion's house. If God didn't prepare his speaker for that message, nine out of ten, when they came and told Peter that, listen, Cornelius wants to see you, Peter would say, okay, yeah. And Peter would have been the opposite way. Peter would have been the most opposite way because that was the opposition he was under. But when the word of God has been put in your mouth, there was a word from God that told Cornelius, go to Peter, and there was a word of God that told Peter, go to Cornelius. Cornelius goes, Cornelius opens his whole house up so that he can hear the word of God being spoken to him. And I want to tell you that these scripture I read just now talked about the fact that they received the Holy Ghost without laying on of hands, without any long chariot, just by the word of God that was being preached. It said while Peter spoke with them. And you need to go in there because it don't get into all of it. But I want you to know that Peter talked about a Jesus that healed a blind man. Peter talked about a Jesus that ran into a room that had a dead little girl and called her by her name and she was. Peter talked about a Jesus 
that healed 10 lepers of along the way. Peter talked about a Jesus that turned him to walk on the water. Peter talked about a Jesus okay, that touched that grave, touched that um, coffin that, that had a little boy in it that was there. And that little boy jumped up. Peter talked about a Jesus that ran on that cross willingly. Peter talked about a Jesus that rose three days later and came dealing the um, um, keys of death and hell in his hand and said, you are free. While Peter talked about this Jesus, while Peter talked about the word of God, the Holy Ghost power on Cornelius, the Holy Ghost power on all them that were there. This is the powerful word of God that still is today. We need to operate in that word. God keeps leading me into this thing of showing us what powers we have as children of God. These powers that we have are not so much for signs and wonders as much as for demonstration of the Holy Spirit in our lives, living godly lives, preaching the word of God, teaching the word of God, being an example, be attitude, be this way, not talking, be this way. The holy word of God changes us. When Peter talked about a Jesus that had nail prints in his hands standing in the upper room and telling them that the Holy Ghost was going to come, it found them. If we talk about Jesus today, we become Moses and the prophets that could save those five brothers. That's the power that God has given to all of us today. The word of God is still powerful. It's still holding everything together. Look at Colossians um, um, 1 and 16 and 17. This is tremendously important in, in terms of insight of what's going on. I've just talked about how the word of God changes us. This word of God makes a difference. This Jesus that we talk about, this Jesus that is this word of God, this Jesus who in the last times God is using him to speak to us. Colossians says that for by him, listen to this, all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones, dominions, or principalities. These are ranks of, of among angels and being of powers, all powers. All things were created by him and for him. And this is the most important part. Many of us believe this, and many of us know that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when we read Genesis, we understand that Jesus is that word that set let there be light. But verse 17 puts it in its finishing form, and it says, and he is before all these things. And then goes on to say, and by him, all these consist. So when it's just explained to you that the heavens, the earth, dominions, the powers were all made by him, this great earth, scripture goes on to say that Jesus is the one that's holding it together right now. He didn't know how to make it. Those of us who know anything about chemistry, those of us who know anything about space and technology and, and, and planets and how this world is, is operating, those of us who know the most basic thing about an atom, about the protons and the neutrons and the electron that goes around the atom, 
None of that makes sense. Even for those that study chemistry and science and quantum physics, they come up with words to try to explain what Colossians 1 and 17 says. 1 and 17 says that he's folding it together. If you read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 3, it talks about the fact that Christ created this world and that this world is being held together by, by stuff we don't even understand. Jesus is upholding all this stuff together. We don't understand why and scientists and, and all these mathematicians in the world still cannot understand when you see the earth sitting there in its place. When you see the sun sitting in its place, when you see the moon sitting in its place, Colossians 1 and 17 says that Jesus is holding, when it says that all those things consist, he's holding them in place. If I was to go and explain to you about an atom, an atom does not work the way that it should work. Because we know that two of the same, two negatives or two positives, they push away. It's only opposites on the track. But when you look at a, an atom and what it's made of, it's being held together. The, the protons and the neutrons are being held together. It does not make no sense. Scientists come up with a fancy word, and they always, scientists always come up with these words when they can't explain what God's doing. They say that those things are being held together, which should be propelling each other by a nucleus glue. Fancy word is called a nucleus glue. No such thing. It's a word when they don't understand why they're sticking together. They should expand. Those of us who have started that, the atom, know that when they do find a way to get them to expand, it's called an atom bomb. They can make an atom bomb out of it. Then they can make them to separate. But all atoms sit with an electron around them because Christ holds them in place. They don't understand how Christ holds them in place, so they call it this nucleus glue. But, it, it, but Colossians 1 and 17 says that all that stuff is being held in place. And there's going to come a time, as I read in, in Revelation 19 and, and 21, when God is going to let that nucleus glue go. He's going to do some stuff to this earth. When you read Revelation 19 and, and 21, and it talks about the, the ramen being slain with the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. Remember, the sword is the word of God. Satan is dealt with, and all those that come against Christ are dealt with just by Christ speaking it into being. The word of God is the difference. Many people paint pictures of Satan fighting against God and this big war that's going to come, but it is only dealt with by Christ speaking it into place. That's the power of the word of God. And we as children of God need to stand on that power. We have been given power. Stand on the word of God. Speak about Jesus that loves people. Speak about Jesus that died and rose again. Speak about Jesus that is heard in this whole world. They call this being in space called zero point energy. Zero point energy, meaning that space is never empty. It's got a lot of energy up there. And if you ever took the time to get into quantum physics and understand what that type of energy is, you're going to understand the only person that could be heard in all that in place is Jesus Christ. 
classroom says that he made the world and he holds it in place until that time. Let's talk about this Jesus to our friends and our family. Let's let everybody know that the word of God is still powerful. It still changes lives. It can save people from their sins. But we need to talk about this Jesus that helped Peter to walk on the water. We need to talk about this Jesus that ran to a tomb of a dead man that's been there for four days and called him by his name and said, come. This same Jesus is still in the business right now and is looking for a people that are serious, that are going to take his word serious, stand on the power of his word and speak about him and let him make the difference in people's lives. This is what God has laid on my heart today and I pray that Wherever you are, as you listen to it, if you know God as your Lord and Savior, stand on the power of his word. And if you don't know God as your Lord and Savior, listen to this word of God. There is a Jesus that died for your sins, that rose again so that you can have access to eternal life, so that you don't have to send yourself to a hell that, that race to torment you. There is freedom in Christ. Stand on this word of God. Be encouraged. And be changed. This is what God has laid in my heart. And I pray God bless all those that have heard it today. In Jesus' name.